Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Corey Walsh Podcast, brought to you by The Extended Cut. Today, we'll be talking to Ian Lenahan, talking about the Marvel games, The Last Marvel Standing. It's a YouTube series that you can find, and uh, me and Ian decide that we're going to claim this as our unofficial official sport, and we're going to pick our favorite teams, some division rivals of sorts, and we're going to talk about the events that the first three that have been in this series and we're also going to talk how the MLB can reinvent itself and how we feel about the NBA's return to form but first let's get to Ian Lenahan all right and now joining us for our unofficial official marble marble competition coverage is Ian Lenahan welcome Ian what's up dude you know it's not even unofficially official it's pretty damn official I'd like to think that we're going to pave the way for a league that already has 1.13 million followers to make it big time on our big time podcast. You know, I know John Oliver, you know, one of my comedian idols is the one who's sponsoring this with all the big bucks. But is he really driving home the marketing aspect or is it the Corey Walsh podcast? Yeah, you know, I'd like to think that in some way we have the same charm that John Oliver has, minus the British accent, minus the money and funding, but the same laughs. Minus the wild success. Mr. Oliver, if you're somehow listening, I love you so damn much. And we would love to both have you on the Corey Walsh podcast for our Marvel Olympics coverage episode. Please consider. But that's how we will truly know if he watches the Marvel Olympics. That's true. He That's could just true. throw it out there as a nameless sponsor. It's got to mean more than that, you know, Corey? In a world that is not full of sports these days and not full of laughs, I think the Marble Olympics could truly make its impact on the country here. This is keeping people sane. This is the reason that I'm going to bed at night, at least some version of happy, you know? I 100% agree. And with that, we're going to now talk about the the Marble Games. The last Marble standing. Our unofficial official sponsor is Arla Cravendale, the fresh milk that lasts longer. And let me tell you, I have not gotten any shipments of that milk, but I'm going to unbiasedly say it does last longer. You know, if we're talking milk, I'm surprised that someone like Gorelick Farms or Hood or someone like that didn't make a bigger play for the last Marble standing, but Cravendale... Who knew Cravendale had the funds to outcompete those big names? I personally, I to be real, I've never heard of Cravendale before, so this this I is probably big for them. I don't know what the launching bid was for Cravendale to get this title, but it had to be something. Not it kind of makes you wonder. Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder what the other main players in terms of sponsoring the last Marble Standing were. You know, I mean, I I feel like maybe other competitors for the namesake of this event were maybe like. Maybe like some Phil Swift products or something. Or What do you think were the biggest companies that missed out on sponsoring this uh, Marble Olympics? I have, gonna... I think Home Depot, Ace Hardware, oh. uh-huh. and maybe Home Goods missed out on these events. Those are some very home-friendly, housewarming, maintenance sort of companies you're thinking of, and somehow a milk company beat them all out. I would actually, that'd be interesting. I'd love to get some sort of an exhaustive list going of who, uh, who was really bidding on the last Marble standing? Did COVID I, hurt know, funding? My, what was that? Did COVID hurt funding? You know, I don't think it's out of the picture, Mr. Walsh. I <laughs> I really do think that Phil Swift made a play for this at some point. Maybe Flex Tape? I don't know. 
<laughs> all the events are are covered like the uh, <laughs> the ramps are glistened with flex tape, which is a great surface to let the marble slide at a faster velocity than normal. Some say performance enhancing. You comment below. <laughs> you know, some people say for any major sporting event or you know any sort of event that needs some sort of coverage, um, people want a guest commentator. You know, people want someone popular in water culture maybe someone like dave portnoy from barstool like joe rogan from the joe rogan podcast i would want phil swift i think there's just so much about him that really pertains to the contemporary american audience really knows how to grasp a viewer's attention i think this is one simon cowell away from being a big product <laughs> John Oliver is the last marble standing Simon Cowell. <laughs> what is the Marble Olympics without one douchey British guy saying it's shit for the entire time? More That's snarky. <laughs> John Oliver's not snarky again. I love you oh, so no. much. Oh, no. I was talking about Simon Cowell. Yeah, fuck that guy. I can't stand <laughs> that he said I'm... Simon Cowell, I love you on America's Got Talent and uh, American Idol, British or British Idol. Wait, no, American Idol. What the two? Wasn't he on X Factor 2? A lot of things. Regardless, Randy Jackson had his number, and that's all I'm going to say about Paula that. Paula Abdul was a close second. <laughs> and those two seasons with Piers Morgan were epic. <laughs> the way that him and Simon never got along, but always seemed to get together to shit on Paula, awesome work. Good job. Who guys. has the bigger British dick, Piers or Simon? <laughs> Stay tuned. Comment below. All right, so as the unofficial, as I said, unofficial official podcast of the Marble Games, Last Marble Standing, sponsored by Arla Cravendale, the unofficial official sponsor of the Corey Walsh podcast. This yes, took place in the Craven Dome in the United Kingdom. God, what a beautiful place, I gotta say. That, you know, potentially the eighth wonder of the world. I was going to say ninth because, you know, I feel like... <laughs> I feel like the rivers of Durham, New Hampshire get underrated. <laughs> but you, know, you might be right. I think Craven Dome is obviously one of the best man-made marvels of all time with the Eiffel Tower and with the Washington Monument. <laughs> yes, sir. You know, I feel kind of dumb right now. Are there seven wonders of the world or eight? Did they, I just get the number wrong? There are seven, I think. There's, thank God. I'm really, really counting on you for that one. You know, I'm not going to fact check you here, but I'm just going to go out on the limb and say that there are seven. Please don't, and I hope any viewer who might have connections in terms of who decides the wonders of the world, I really hope they consider the Craven Dome. I, I also hope the viewers out there have an internet browser and can just look up how many wonders of the world there are, because obviously we don't. I bet Simon Cowell is on the panel of people who figure out the wonders of the world. Uh, One Direction, yes. <laughs> we were also honored at the Craven Dome for this uh, last marble standing by having the Duke and Duchess of Craven there which i have to say unlike uh prince harry and megan markle is that the Meghan the, yeah is that the couple or yeah that's them the ones who bolted let, yeah let me just say they've taken their spot quite nicely <laughs> you know talk about royalty with class you know everyone wants to talk about kate and william but now that they're really established in family life with their three kids um george charlotte and uh, i believe the third one's name is louis if i have that right it's really nice to see someone like the duke and duchess of craven come up and really assume the title of what young royalty is supposed to look like and what it means to show up for your people 
I think the people of Craven were very excited to see them make it as such an event. I noticed also there were no masks <laughs> there, so you know those numbers are going to spike. <laughs> <laughs> the CDC is on fire right now. Forget the protests. There's a huge thing going on at Craven. <laughs> the WHO is having a field day. After being dropped by Donald Trump, they are now extremely concerned that the Duke and Duchess of Craven are not protected by masks. Simon Cowell says everyone should shun them. And Randy Jackson says, yes. They're fine with me, dog. <laughs> I don't know, dog. Those masks, not a fan. <laughs> they it really heart. was great to it, oh, sorry, but it really was great to have the Duke and Duchess present to see the wonders of the last marble standing it was nice to know that in a world of fear right now due to covid that the duke and duchess aren't afraid and are a symbol of power in the british community you need that authority to step up <laughs> f brexit am i right <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right so the six teams that were announced for the last marble standing were team purity team milky madness the semi skimmers dairy dash the freshers and graze of glory and obviously, me and Ian had to establish our favorite teams. We made sure that they weren't the same. But I'm going to run through the rosters real quick. Uh, Team Purity is led by Coach Poncho, the Captain Pierce, Puro, Pura, Puri, and Perry. Ian, what was uh, the next team? Milky Madness is led by Coach Maurice. On the field, led by Captain Mike. And then there's Mikey. Looks like Michelle. Or Michael, excuse me, Mickey, and then Michelle. And then there was my team, which I have announced as the semi-skimmers with good old Coach Slim, Captain Skimmy, Jimmy, Timmy, Shimmy, and Sean. A powerhouse. They sound like they need their own TLC show. (laughs) It sounds like a K-plus-8 spinoff if I've ever heard it. Yes, exactly. Next up, we got Dairy Dash led by Coach Thorpint. That's crazy. Captain Buttercup, and then there's Yogi, M Shakes, Cheesy, and Cremo, which, to be frank, was my high school nickname. <laughs> so I can't hate on Cremo. Cremo Lenahan coming up to theology class. Then the Freshers came in hot with the best coach name, I think, of all of them, with Dr. Fresh. And then yep. we got Captain Frankie. <laughs> Then Roman, Eli, Stewart, and from the 1960 favorite drama, Henrietta. <laughs> the Freshers were my team, just to throw that in. More on that later. And then Grays of Glory, the sixth and final team in Last Marble Standing, led by Captain Bluebell. I read that wrong, and you knew what I was going to say. <laughs> or no, Coach Bluebell, excuse me. Captain Daisy. And then there's Blazy, Blaze, Rays, and Meadow. I don't know if Meadow, you guys have... Meadow was, Meadow was definitely an oopsie. <laughs> I feel like not every last team member was like, they kind of threw a dart against the wall, and they're like, we're just going to take the guy with the name that doesn't make any sense for this entire team. I think it's I a know. three-way tie for me between Cremo, Henrietta, and Meadow for weirdest team na- last team member. I'm team Cremo if we're talking individuality. <laughs> and nostalgia. <laughs> from my high school glory days. <laughs> I have to admit, though, it was kind of tough for me. I kind of wanted to pick Dairy Dash because the names are very out there between Four Pint, Buttercup, Yogi, M Shakes, Jeezy, and Cremo. 
But I decided to go for the continuity of the Emmy rhymes between Skimmy, Jimmy, Timmy, Shimmy, and Sean. You know, Corey, I think this might be the perfect segue into saying why I hate the living shit at a Dairy Dash. <laughs> oh, also, we have to say that me and Ian decided, you know, it doesn't seem like they really have division rivals in this like they do in most sports. So me right. and Ian unofficially officially decided to list our rival for our our personal team. Ian? Go ahead. And with that, Dairy Dash can go to hell. <laughs> Why is that? Again, I'm all about the freshers. And again, more on that later. But someone like Dairy Dash, I don't really know what their deal is. They seem very small town, Midwestern feel. They come up with these really cool names that these really just bumfuck towns in these <laughs> terrible states all over the country with, that are just entirely landlocked with no water within 800 miles. They seem like they're cool off the bat. Very individualistic, as you had said. These names that they have are the barbels on their team. Again, Yogi, M-Shakes, Cheesy, Cremo, led by Captain Buttercup, and their coach, Fortnite. Again, very individualistic and cool-sounding. Who wouldn't want to get a beer with M-Shakes or Yogi? <laughs> Again, Cremo. I heard Cremo <laughs> can pound Baileys better than anyone else on this planet. <laughs> Cremo started boo-boozing when he was three years old. <laughs> I really, like, all right, so the semi-skimmers have an unofficially official rival, and, and that's the assholes from Milky Madness. <laughs> Let me tell you why. First off, a coach, Maurice, when is the last time you thought you were going to have a good time at a party with a guy named Maurice? He just sounds like a complete buzzkill. You got. Captain May I remind you that Maurice was the name of the hotel employee who beat up Holden Caulfield in The Catcher in the Rye? Oh, my God. Well, that explains why I thought he was a complete buzzkill. Also... You're welcome. Shout out J.D. Solinger. Rest in peace. <laughs> J.D. Solinger is rolling around in his grave right now that Maurice gets a second shot at glory. <laughs> Actually, he was kind of a perv, so you know what? I guess screw J.D. Solinger and screw Milky Madness. Keep going. All right. Milky Madness in general. First off, completely unoriginal names here. I mean, could you just did you just pick off names or did you base off talent? And spoiler right, right. alert, for those who don't know, they picked off names because their talent freaking sucks. <laughs> they got they got Mike, Mikey, Michael, Mickey, and Michelle. In case you haven't noticed, they are the same name but gender neutral. <laughs> Which I guess really in twenty twenty is pretty cool, but at the same time, when's the last time you wanted to get a beer with a guy named Mickey either? And I sound like an alcoholic because that's the only <laughs> analogy I have is whether you want to get a beer with them. <laughs> but at the same time, just think about it. The names on Milky Madness kind of reminds me of one of those like sister wives families in Utah. <laughs> it was like Mitt Romney's alternate family. Yes, exactly. His ex girlfriend's family that she ended up having. <laughs> they were all actually Mitts. It was Mitty, Mittel, Mitty, and then Mattel. And then they had to switch their names because of the bastard Mick Romney. This is the first time that we're ever considering Mitt Romney to be the one that got away. <laughs> Let me tell you, we're all thinking it. Paul Ryan, close second. So, Corey, what about what about the semi-skimmers that really uh, really, really appeals to you? Well, like I said, Coach Slim, one of the great coaching names. It's a great desire of mine to be like Coach Slim. I know he studied long and hard at the University of Stanford to be a great marble coach. And those who can't sure. coach, as you've heard. 
Captain Skimmy, I mean, he's tried and true. I'd like to think he's like uh, the Peyton Manning of the Marvel world. He's got a personality, but at the same time, the minute he hits that ramp, he's kind of a badass. And uh, Jimmy, Timmy, and Shimmy, obviously, triplets at birth. Most amazing story. You got to ask the wife, Jimmy. Don't ask me how the name's Jimmy. That's personal. And uh, Sean, like most in this, was the, the throw-in, as we've said. It was like we were going to try to keep continuity with the name, but unlike those bastards from Milky Madness, we decided to uh, go off course. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's an oopsie, baby. But you know what? I also think... Who doesn't love a good skimmer in the pool? Keeps your pool clean. <laughs> you can't keep it. And uh, let's face it, not all of us are great swimmers. Semi-skimmers for the dub, baby. What Here's I, why. I would love to know why you picked uh, the Freshers, though. Whoa, 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 whoa. I think competing with uh, Coach Slim for the best coach name, you said it yourself, is Dr. Fresh. I mean, if that doesn't make you want to go sit outside in the sun with a fresca and just a great book. I don't know what the hell's wrong with you. And we get led by Captain Frankie, followed by Roman, Eli, Stuart, and Henrietta. To me, it just sounds like a Baywatch reboot. <laughs> Everything about that. I'm getting new kids on the block vibes. And the whole narrative, Derry Dash, fuck Derry Dash, against the Freshers, it just feels like it feels like college football, you know. It feels like like a West Coast offense, Pac twelve sort of feel. Spread offense going against a team from, like, Iowa or Wisconsin who are too proud of themselves and think that their small-town ways are just the name of the game. But I say, air it out. And the Freshers, something cool about them, they're the most inexperienced of the bunch. They started, I believe the announcer said they started about maybe, like, six to eight months ago. They're the newest team in the last Marble Standing competition. So, I mean, I guess you could say, you know, a bit of an underdog. Maybe they could have, like, a Vegas Golden Knights sort of I was going to say that. <laughs> Immediately they launched a success, maybe hit the podium. Here's hoping. We got three events left, and I see a very promising future. So I'm Team Freshers, tried and true. If not now, then later, for sure. Exactly. Some spry young legs, ready to roll in all the events. Corey, the future is now. Or later. (laughs) Whatever comes first. (laughs) Time-wise, we're thinking now. I'm hoping now for the purpose of this. I'm hoping now. I feel like Grey's of Glory is definitely like a, a girl favorite here because what girl doesn't love cows, I guess. But, you know, I think they really tried to play for a market. And honestly, the Grey's of Glory just gave me a bad vibe. Team Bluebell, that's very close to being a derogatory term. <laughs> <laughs> also, Blazy and Blaze, what's the difference? Like, you obviously just picked conjoined twins. One is an action, and then one is a reaction, if you know what I mean. Oh, I am fully aware. And then we got Rays. Exactly. Like, I, for those who don't know, it's R-A-Y-Z-E. Who the hell names their kid Rays? I, I, I couldn't tell you. I've never heard of that before. That being said, this guy came up with great names. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't really... I, I couldn't really wrap my head around what Grace of Glory stands for. Um, to be entirely honest, I think it's cheap to rip off Blades of Glory. Um, I think <laughs> a great film. Again, I think Meadow was a stupid name. Um, I feel bad for Meadow, and I, again, I just really can't figure out what sort of market they're playing to, why they're deciding to to be a part of this, and what level of success they're going to have. So you know what, 
they're not bad, but they're not great. For me, they were middle of the pack. Honestly, after the first event, like we'll talk about in a minute, the greatest glory went from like ugly stepsisters to freaking princess of the ball. Yeah, someone someone found their diamond slipper really quick. Maybe it was Meadow. Maybe Meadow was doing the charm. <laughs> Meadow was tired of being the ugly ugly stepsister and she was ready to step onto the stage. <laughs> from ugly duckling to Christmas goose, it's Meadow from Grays of Glory. <laughs> that bastard. All right, so we're going to talk about the first event here. We're going to talk about the first three events because as of this recording, that is the events that have taken place. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about the funnel spin, and let me tell you, I was honestly confused. I have Me and Ian, by the way, have watched many Marble Olympics events over time. Yeah, I'm not going to say under what substance, but we have. <laughs> we have. We I believe we started watching this back in January of the year in our Lord, 2020, the year we're currently in. So... I'd like to think that we, even though this is the fifth, um, I believe this is the fifth year that um, the Marble League has um, put on Marble League events. So we're a little late to the game, but in terms of the appeal that's coming right now without a world of sports, I'd say you and I, Corey, I'd say we're pretty OG in terms of popularity. I don't want to have to step on your feet here, Ian, but I have watched the Marble Olympics for two years. I was introduced to it in 2019. By who? Our boy, Cy Kazarian, Daniel Brammer, and Cooper Paradise. Where was I? I I am not aware at this time, but I hate to break the news to you live. React accordingly. Why don't I just hang up now? Is that what you want? <laughs> is that what you want right now? <laughs> that is not what we need. But also, what were your thoughts? Brought on by Marble League. <laughs> Ian, we need to know, how confusing was the funnel spin? I don't mean to step on your toes. Your I wasn't confused by the marble spin, but or the funnel spin. But I will say, I hated it. I really, really hated it. And uh, we'll go back to your point of why there was some confusion in the sec. But the reason I hated it, I feel you, you could add on to this as well, is because with every single drop in the layer for each funnel, I believe it ended up being over five different funnels that they had to spin through before the first one came out and eventually won with every single drop down the first marble that came out was screwed every single time and so it seemed like you always wanted to be middle of the pack so that you could hug the marble and then knock the initial ones around the first ones around and so that you would get a better advantage into falling through but then it's just sort of a weird chain reaction it's just that continuity of screwing each marble over you know yeah that being said i was uh mostly just hyper focusing on my boys the semi skimmers and i found that the case to be true of course i found the case to be that the the semi skimmers only seemed to do well like you said when they were in that cluster of three it seemed like the cluster only stayed around three marbles at a time and once a fourth one was added in it would mess it all up and then one of them would get shot down and there were mm-hmm. points where my boys, the semi-skimmers, which I have to say did not do well in this event at all, were mm-hmm. uh, getting dragged through the dirt. And uh, that being said, as confused as I was, along with the uh, poor performance I saw, which I think, honestly, half our team has vertigo because they wanted to get through those funnels very quickly. And uh, we finished in fifth place, which was a absolute bummer, to say the least. Freshers came in fourth, so we were a spot off the podium. We were behind those bastard Midwesterners. Jerry Dash, go to hell. Um, 
But I think something that just made this event a little boring about halfway through is just the fact that there was some level of predictability with it. Of course, you didn't know which marbles, you know, in which order it was going to be, but you just knew the events that we have just been talking about that were going to take place every single time. Again, you don't want to be the first marble down. You want to be one of the ones in the middle. But then again, that's just a sense, you know, it's going to keep continuing. So how can you really avoid being the first marble down at any point? So I guess that is a fun little element to it. But then again, I don't know. Personally, it just wasn't for me. I I have to agree, out of the three events, I think I found this one the least enjoyable. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I was confused why they did the two-legged route because all they did was just, what, combine the points between each one? I thought they were eliminating them one by one to start, but they only did two total races. That would have been a cool thing if they did eliminate that. So I guess that I guess was a um, source of confusion is were they averaging times together? Were they were they adding? What, what was the process for figuring out the final results? So that would be that would have been so much better if I was, it was an elimination thing. That being said, minor victory, Milky Madness suck chunks, and that is great for the boys of the semi skimmers. That being said, mm. double edged sword because we finished in fifth. And Milky Madness finished in sixth. So it went Milky Mat from bottom to top. Milky Madness, Semi Skimmers, The Freshers, Dairy Dash, Team Purity, and The Grace of Glory for the funnel spin. Yeah, and then for people following along, the way the ranking system works is you're a lot of, you know, one, it's one being the lowest point, six being the highest point. So Grace of Glory finished first, and that's so they got six points, and then Team Purity, five points for finishing second, and so on and so forth. Yes, and then after that, we moved on to the second day, which was balancing. I don't know about you, but I believe I found this one to be the most entertaining. I can't. This was kind of hype. Yes, this when I say kind of out of the three, this was the best one. As we'll far. discuss later, there was a little bit of strategy to this one that I was not expecting from such a great yet simple event as a whole. Yeah. Your boys took advantage of that, that's for sure. This, uh, in terms of being a fan of the Marble League, this was great. This was the best event. Speaking as a lifelong diehard, uh, what the hell is my team name? The Freshers. This was a this was a bad event. This was this was just a punch in the face in terms of our welcome to the Marble Olympics. All right, so for the, I'm just going to give a quick rundown of the rosters for this event. Uh, Team Purity had P- Pierce, Puro, Perry, Puri. Milk Madness had Mike, Mikey, Michael, Michelle. My boys, the Semi Skimmers, had Skimmy, Sean, Timmy, and Shimmy. Missed opportunity. Fuck you, Meadow. <laughs> Dairy Dash had Buttercup, Yogi, M Shakes, and Cheesy. An all-star lineup, to say the least. Where's, where's my boy, Cremo? <laughs> Cremo was missing off the roster. Obviously, was a little sick from the last event. Uh, free Cremo. <laughs> free Cremo 2020. Uh, the Freshers, your boys, had Frankie, yeah. Roman, Henrietta, and Stewart. I don't know how the hell Henrietta made the call. They're obviously trying to use her early so they don't have to use her in later legs. Shut the fuck up. You didn't mean that. <laughs> and then the Bastards from Grace of Glory had Daisy, Meadow, Blade, and Rays. They're just boring. I got to say, you know, I think I don't want to toot my own horn here. But I think the teams that really brought it for roster-wise were the semi-skitters, and I really do hate to say this, but Dairy Dash. 
Again, would you like if I just hung up now? <laughs> I think that is that what is that what you're looking for? I don't for, think Henrietta or... was a strong move for this event, but that is just something we'll talk about later. <laughs> something I like about the freshers is that they give the young ones a chance, and that's what we did with Henrietta. It'll work out in the future. We brought Sean. <laughs> we could have brought someone else. Whatever. We could have easily brought Skimmy. <laughs> we did. You did. It's a, it's a. <laughs> It's okay. Just don't fact check yourself. I th I think it's either Jimmy or Timmy that we didn't bring. Jimmy. Just say confidence. Who cares? It was Jimmy. It's a team effort. All right. So what did you think about your boys and the freshers in this event? So the first run was actually pretty decent. We ended up um, one marble went the distance. and that. So if you go the distance and land in that little green boy, I believe it was 130 points. And then the way the event worked, again, for people following along, is that um, each distance, it was measured in centimeters. I'm pretty sure it was centimeters. And um, for you would add up the uh, four lengths that each of the four marbles went. And getting it all the way and landing in that green dish or whatever it was, was 130 points. Um, and so that first run from the freshers, one of them got 130. And then the other ones weren't so bad. Um, they kind of kind of popped off at pretty predictable points along the way, leading to a finish or score of 248 points in the first heat, and that eventually put us in fourth. And so what did you think about the skimmers? Well, first off, I can't talk about the skimmers without talking about how the rivals Milky Madness, I have in my notes, quote-unquote, sucked chunks at this yep. point. And it's they, true, he does. They were all – they just split, like, like – pretty early on and i felt pretty good because i'm like you know what at this point i just want the skim the milky madness to do as horribly as possible and then exactly. my boys the semi skimmers really stepped up here they looked great in the first heat until weirdly enough there was like a weird little chest bump type event which once again not approved by the who <laughs> were mm -hmm. um co completely anti-social distancing just completely threw off the marbles they split and it just ruined the whole thing we looked like we were going to have two the announcer thought we were going to have two and it just honestly did not work out and at the end of the first heat it didn't look great for the boys we were in third but we could have easily done better it went purity dairy dash semi skimmers your boys the freshers milky yep. madness and grays of glory you can't be mad even though it was the first heat. you can't be mad at the podium finish though it's pretty good it's a little scary because, you know, we know how this event works. It's a two-legged event. So mm -hmm. you, just because you do well in the first one, we saw how bad Grace of Glory did. Grace of Glory had 199 points, and the third spot in the podium was 261. So that was quite a amount that the uh, Grace of Glory had to overcome. You know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transition off that. I feel very nicely. So if you thought 199 points was bad, my boys, the freshers, uh, in the second heat, they uh, they topped it, and by topped I mean they went lower. They ended up, I believe, I'm looking at it. So in total, they scored 187 points in that second heat, and um, I threw my laptop out the window. I wasn't too happy with the finish. I bought a new one, and I bought a new one. It's on its way. Um, thank God for the $500 credit I got from Best Buy. Shout out Best Buy. Sponsored the Corey Watch Park. No, so what happened was, again, there was some hugging in the beginning, and the hugging led to bumping, and again, the WHO does not approve of either, but for love of the game, the balancing event continued. You can't help but high-five a teammate. Exactly, but we got screwed over by it. 
And even though there's, again, camaraderie and the, the spirit and the morale of the freshers is exactly what draws me to them. But in this event, the second heat at least, it really did screw them over because they had two marbles off, I believe, at before the 25-centimeter mark. And that was – it was abysmal. And, you know, the famous commentator Greg Wood was just beside himself in terms of the analytical aspect of the game. And it was really, 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 really tough to watch. Sorry, Aram Hovon just texted me and said, congratulations, you're officially Facebook friends with my mom. So I got a little distracted. I would be too. Mrs. Havon is a saint, and she cooks up some great meals. Mrs. Havon, if you're listening, thank you for accepting the request. Aram <laughs> now just texted me. This is great. He goes, I don't know what your intentions are, but they better not be super swervy. <laughs> Only Aram Havan, a friend of the Corey Walsh podcast, would send such a weird message. <laughs> Mrs. Havon, nothing weird. Don't worry. <laughs> your blessings are safe with the inlet ahead. <laughs> The thing, Anyways, that was, the thing that was the story of the uh, second event stuff. here was that yeah. uh, there was some strategery going on as the bastards from Milky Madness, as I, as if you haven't realized, that's what I'm going to refer to them as. The bastards. They pulled off a diamond bullshit formation to attempt to take a strategical edge, which proved to be a massive haul for the team at the time. Until at the time. The team right after, which happened to be my blessed semi-skimmers, who are still learning to swim at your local YMCA. I yes, think they're sir. minnows right now. <laughs> Guppies up next. <laughs> they uh, they tried the same thing, but it only worked better as they hauled in 384 centimeters for the team, which placed them at the top of the rankings for that event. Okay, wouldn't it be nice? That being said, at the end of that day, the Dairy Dash were in first. The Greys of Glory were in second. The Semi Skimmers were in third. Team Purity was in fourth. Milky Madness was in fifth. And the Freshers were in sixth. The future is now, baby. <laughs> that being said, there is a three-way tie between second, third, and fourth with eight points. Dairy Dash had nine. Milky Madness had five. And the Freshers had four. You don't have to remind me. It's, it's cool. I can see it with you. <laughs> I'm trying. It's okay. It's fine, dude. All right. All right. On to event number three. Ian, would you like to lead us off? Yeah, sure. So this was the long jump. And again, we both thought that the balancing event was the best. And the long jump was, I don't know. I don't know what it was for me, but uh, middle of the pack is something that is not a very detailed description, but that's how I'm going to put it for now. I don't know. It just really bored me because I, I kind of wish that, it was interesting that the drop, I'll start with that. The drop was very steep. I didn't catch how high up it was, but it looked like it was a I couple feet. I would have loved some measurements. I, w- I would have loved some measurements too, you know. Um, what's a guy without his measurements? <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> Anyways. Um, <laughs> it was a couple feet for a drop. Very straight, just going straight down. And so that was interesting, but then... Um, a very, a very prolonged horizontal jump. And I would have appreciated if the ramp uh, actually curved up a bit at the end. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I, I feel like it didn't really curve very well. And so it was a very, very, very slight angle at the very end of the ramp. And so I feel like for the most part, most of the marbles were averaging between 
um, I'll say 75 and 80 centimeters for um, how far their jump was. And so it, what did make it exciting though, this was the good part of it was that it was really a race separated by millimeters, you know? It truly was. A lot of teams were hovering around that 78 to like 79.5 mark. And so when someone did get over 80, you were like, holy shit, that that really separated them from the pack, you know? You know what else separates them from the pack, Ian? Tell me, Corey. Our unofficial official sponsor, Arla Cravendale, the fresh milk that lasts longer. Tell me, Ian, how many times have you gone in the fridge and said, damn, I wish this expired milk was two days longer? (laughs) Only once, and it was today after I found out about Arla Cravendale. Let me tell you, it goes right through you like butter through melted glass. But let me tell you, this is legal, and the FDA approves it somewhat. Arla Cravendale, the unofficial official sponsor of The Last Marble Standing and the Corey Walsh Podcast. You know what's not going through me, though, Corey, is the actual bullshit that's taking place right now. It's sponsored by a milk. This whole event is sponsored by a brand of milk. And there's two, again, two team names. In the last marble standing that are based off of pastured products. Do you think that's a little weird? I think it's very weird. And let me also say that the long jump, speaking of catered, was the Duke of Craven's favorite event. Are we catering to the Duke here? It sounds like we're craving. What the hell did I just say? I don't know. But it sounds like we're really catering. (laughs) To quote you, catering to the higher-ups and to the money. And That's just not not right. I'm not saying anything against the last marble standing or the marble league as a whole. But when you let money control your product, something that the fans love, the game that's keeping America sane right now, you're losing your authenticity and you're losing the faith that your audience has in you and that you've instilled. That just doesn't sit well with me. Like a cold glass of Arla Craven. <laughs> <laughs> You're look. You're constantly looking at that expiration date, being like, "This has to be expired," but it's simply not because it, it goes two days longer, at least. Arla Cravendale, the unofficial official sponsor of the Corey Walsh Podcast and Last Marble Standing. It's a little weird again that there are two name, two teams named after some sort of milk, Dairy Dash and Milky Madness. I don't know about that. If I see at the end of the six events in Last Marble Standing that Milky Madness or Dairy Dash have even hit the podium. I will be writing a very strong email, and you can count on me for that. I will count on you, and I will support you. We might have to make a whole podcast dedicated to the BS that is going on here. I'll CC you. Actually, you know who didn't get CC'd clearly is Milky Madness, because to hop on your bandwagon for a minute, they haven't been placing very well, but Derry Dash, my rivals, are up at the top every single time, it seems like. So you would have thought that Arla Cravendale would have CC'd Milky Madness on the email in terms of, hey... This whole thing is rigged in your favor. You might want to start performing a little better. We're giving you benefits. What what the what the hell was this Arvin Cravendale milk that's supposed to give you better bone structure for? Again, this just doesn't sit well with me, and I'm not going to make a joke about how crappy Arla Cravendale is. Because they are our unofficial official sponsor. Exactly. We love them. They're one of my oldest friends. But <laughs> it's, it's just a little odd. We went to high school say. together. We, we climbed the rope during the presidential fitness test. Arla and Cremo, we were a freaking force to be reckoned with. All right, so the third event, honestly, not that notable, but there were notes that were notable by the commentator that we're going to talk about more. So I guess we'll just talk about the results. 
Uh, the Grays of Glory absolutely crushed it, even though they're apparently the oldest team in the event, but they somehow won, which once again goes back to Ian's great point that it is completely rigged. But counterpoint to that, the Dairy Dash finished in dead last for this event. And honestly, not that disappointed. But at the end of the current rankings, the Grays of Glory were in first. Team Purity was in second. Dairy Dash was in third. Then me and Ian, Semi Skimmers, the Freshers, fourth and fifth. Milky Madness, those bastards, in sixth. But there were some great notes here to be had. We found out that Team Purity is the home team of this event. And they were picked by the Duke and Duchess. And they're in second. Again. These things are a little fishy seeming. This and seems to me like Adam, like if Adam Silver was like, you know what, we're gonna bring the NBA back, but we're gonna put LeBron, Giannis, Kawhi, and whoever else you want to throw in on there against the rest of the league, and we'll see who wins. Exactly. I mean, I think the I think the last marble standing in the marble league as a whole needs to take note from other leagues in the past. Again, to use the NBA as an example widespread public reaction against the Warriors getting Kevin Durant, need I remind you all, was not positive. And to find out now that Team Purity is the home team for this whole event, it should be at a neutral site, and they shouldn't be picked by the Duke, Duke and Duchess. <laughs> I I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, a proposal I have right now, it should be done by the fans. Fan vote, all-star game. Maybe we'll get a Caruso of marbles. Yes, what about all the people who've been with the Marble League since January 2020? Or, or earlier. Like, some of you people. Yeah, okay, whatever, <laughs> dude. It should be chosen by the fans, a neutral site, no home team advantage. For those who probably- have been a fan of the Marble League, sorry to interrupt, the Mellow Fun. Yellows were not there, and they were one of my favorite teams, or the Limers, and they were not in either of these events. But we yeah, picked it seems like, it seems like It seems like, from what I know, these are... These are relatively newer teams. Um, if they learned anything from reality shows, you always bring back at least one fan favorite. That is too true, Corey. It's like Hannah coming back to The Bachelor this past season. That was not my example, but I'll roll with it and I'll counter it or support it with saying, think about Survivor and how they always bring back the winners. I've never seen Survivor, and for the record, I've only seen The Bachelor for like an episode and a half, so I probably shouldn't have thrown it out there, but I just knew that it happened, so I'm, I'm just going to take your word on that and say, hell yeah. I'll take your word for The Bachelor and also say, hell yeah. Perfect. All right. Also, the Freshers, Ian, as you said, only existed for eight months. How do you think this happens, that they go from a team that just assembled to the big leagues? I just... There's something about... You've seen it in history. There's something about young teams that a really catch a public attention and then really start to build off that and feed off it. And then I think success is imminent. And I think you started this event. I mean, you know, maybe we, we didn't get over 80. I believe, I believe in either heat. We didn't get over 80, but you didn't. Oh, actually we, we did reach 80 in the sec in heat two, but 80 flat. So that was again, kind of like the benchmark, you know, it's kind of the over under, so we hit that in one, and then the first heat was 78.0. So you know what? I mean, it's consistency, and it's a start. And we hit the podium for this event. So I like to think that there's better things ahead for the crew, especially in these last uh, last three events coming up in the next couple of weeks. So, you know, maybe a podium finish for someone that 
just started off again, you know, to use history, there's uh, the Miracle on Ice 1980 men's USA men's hockey team. No NHL players allowed, all college kids. And you know what? They shocked the world, beat the Russians in the silver medal, or excuse me, the semifinal game, and then went on to win the gold medal. There's something about a youthful complexion, not just in the sport itself, but in the wider eye, that really grasps public attention. You know, so, I, don't know, I don't want to speak for you here, but are you basically comparing the Dairy Dash to the Russians? Oh my god. That's, ex- <laughs> that's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, fuck my Midwestern comparison. They're Russian. <laughs> They're sponsored by Putin. <laughs> Those bastards at the Dairy Dash! He gives them a pep talk over Zoom before every event. You know what? That just deepens my disdain for them. I'm so glad you said that. I will bring it up in the email that I'm going to write to people. I would love to be CC'd. You will be CC'd. Thank you. And Mrs. Havan. (laughs) No, she'll get it over Facebook Messenger. Am I right or wrong? If you're listening, you probably aren't. (laughs) Tune in next time. But yeah, so I'm excited for the future of the Freshers, and hopefully the future is now. How are you feeling about your team, semi-skimmers? Uh, seeing as you and me are both tied for last, or fourth, no, fourth and fifth. You're, yeah, you're ahead. I, uh, my bad. I was associating myself for some reason with the Milky Madness, those bastards. Why um, would you do that? We are tied for third. So, you know, honestly, I think you, the, the Freshers, the Semi Skimmers, and the Dairy Dash, and honestly, I hate to say it, the Bastards mm-hmm. from Milky Madness, are in the position of volley for a top spot if they play It's these all last about three momentum. Legs. It's all about momentum. There's only six points separating the top from the bottom. And with the way the point spread works, that's kind of scary. Mm. It's honestly North a volatile country. system. And honestly, I, I'm kind of scared that the two milk products are at the top and the bottom. That will only, if again, if there's a podium finish for either of the milk product teams, you can bet that this email I will write to the Duke and Duchess of Craven will be the most strongly worded thing since, I don't know, every whistleblower in the Trump administration. And you've got my word on that. I take your word for it entirely. Yes, sir. Yeah, but, you know, it kind of makes you wonder about uh, which marble for each team is going to step up. Who do you think is going to step up for you guys? I really am expecting a big performance here. This sounds very generic. Actually... Complete U-turn. I was going to say Captain Skimmy. I'm going to say Sean because I think he's driven by the fact that he doesn't rhyme with the rest of the boys. And he's going to be like, you know what? I want to create my own name besides being an outlier. I want to be the man of this team and earn a new captainship under the veteran Skimmy. And he's going to take some major points. Interesting. Okay. What about you? For me, I'm actually going to go with the reverse and go with Captain Frankie. Do you know why? It's because this team is so young. And just so so wide-eyed and so baby-faced and so so innocent in the terms of competition that they're facing right now. And they're so humble, not even realizing their success as of right now and the future that they're going to have. It's going to take someone like Frankie to really reel them in and show them what reality could be. And that reality could be success at whatever point is going to change their lives forever. So I think it's Frankie's job, and I think he's going to do it whether it's over a Zoom meeting or maybe at a team dinner or, you know, on the course, it's got to be Captain Frankie. I 100% agree with you. That being said, we're going to shift course here to the MLB. 
<laughs> Unofficially, yep. officially sponsored also by Arla Cravendale. <laughs> yes, sir. Just like the game of baseball, it never gets old, even though it should have died a long time ago. What the hell? What are you, talk- <laughs> what are you talking about, dude? That's terrible. Well, at least that seems what the owners think, because the owners and the MLB players oh, probably have God. the most rift between the owners and the union, I think, of any of the major sports. And we've heard constant rumors that the team, and the players, and the owners have such a divide in what are you hearing and why do you think baseball might be in danger or will it be saved? First off, something to address. I hated the way you introduced that, but that was a really killer transition. <laughs> so I need to commend you for that. Did you just sneeze? No, I. I uh, it was like a slight chuckle slash air through the nose. Uh... Well, I was going to say bless you, but, you know, rescinded. So, oh. <laughs> with, the MLB, with the MLB season, out of the major leagues, the three major sports leagues that were in season, actually, the MLB wasn't technically in season, but they they had they didn't start the regular season, but they were in spring training. So now, of course, they're out of the three major sports teams that were in the midst of their season. Uh, they're trying to figure out how they should even start going about the regular season. And so... There's been a lot of conflict, it seems like that. It seems that there's some really, over the last couple of months, there's been some really well-known, uh, well-branded players in the league, such as uh, former MVP Bryce Harper from the Philadelphia Phillies, former Cy Young winner Blake Snell from the Tampa Bay Rays, who have made themselves loud and clear. They do not want, or they're very opposed against taking any sort of a pay cut, which, in my opinion, as someone who will never sniff the amount of money they will make in a 10-year career than I will make in my lifetime. I just think that that is so ridiculous that a big reason that's still holding this season up is the fact that there are so many players who are really, really, really adamant about the fact that they deserve to be paid in full millions and millions and millions of dollars. Whereas, by comparison, if you look at minor league players who, I mean, you hear stories about them where it's basically like they're getting paid. I don't know. It's I, I've heard in a lot of examples about $400 a week or something like that. Um, maybe it's greater or less than depending on which level of minor league ball you're in. But then there's the road trips and hotel expenses and sending money back to your family. And then uh, it's not like there's a team chef for many minor league teams. So it's just really, really ridiculous that at the top, there's such a conflict and a struggle to really figure out, you know, what should players be paid and, what do they deserve in this shortened season as the world is, you know, crumbling as a result of the virus and, you know, now other big factors such as the racial injustice and the response to that and all that sort of stuff. But then by comparison, again, you have the minor league players who are really depending on this money and this could have gotten done long story short, this could have gotten done much, much sooner if some players at the top hadn't been so, or, you know, would just been more considerate, and a little less greedy about, you know, making whatever percentage of what their contract is stated. So um, I'm, I'm frustrated as a baseball fan and I do understand some contract disputes, but the people who are still guaranteed millions, I think just need to really, really reconsider a lot of stuff, you know? Yeah. I, I feel like I kind of side with the players more than I do the owners in the sense Mm. that the way that the players at least are saying at least from what i read it seems Mm. that it's gonna punish the best players more than it's gonna Mm. punish anyone else because 
I heard like if a minor league player was like set to make like two hundred ninety three mil or thousand dollars, which I heard is like mm-hmm. the base minimum that a major league player can make, they'll get like two hundred twenty nine thousand of it. But let's say like a player like Bryce Harper or Mike Trout is expected to make like three hundred million, they'll only make they'll ma- <laughs> they'll only make they'll make like two hundred million of that. So yeah. it's almost like in a way, like I kind of get where they're coming from. That it's like, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's an even distribution or cut to their pay when you look at the number, but mm-hmm. because they're viewing it more as a percentage than as a number, I feel like, and I think that's where the players are really getting pissed off. Yeah, that's a good point. It makes you wonder uh, what this struggle would look like had the regular season started and had they gotten a fraction of their games in by the time that everything got shut down, you know? Mm -hmm. Do you think out of all the sports that – I guess like the only sport that has officially come back is basketball and hockey. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. But Max Kellerman doesn't view hockey as a major sport. So out of the major three sports (laughs) – what uh do you think baseball is probably do you think it's the least likely to come back or do you really feel like there is momentum towards it coming back? I think it's the least likely. Um because again, I a big driving part of it is um you had for example NBA players um maybe upwards of 2 months ago someone like Chris Paul who's such an advocate for um the players association as and he might even be the um, the president or the highest ranking member of that for on the player aspect is, you know, he had been saying so long ago that they're itching to get back and they're ready to resume and they want to, they want to finish the season and, you know, in whatever way they can and get rolling on the playoffs so that they can, you know, not have uh, the following year, the 2020 uh, and 2021 season be disrupted, which of course is most likely imminent. Um, but with that being said, baseball, hasn't even started again they were in spring training and but with spring training uh with the position that most of the teams were in again it was only a fraction of those games that had been played so final roster decisions hadn't even been made and then you need to think about um you know on the executive side um with those roster decisions and then um staffing at stadiums and how they're going to respond to um their lower they're, they're employees who are on a lower socioeconomic standard. And so I, there's just so much to figure out. And I really, really, really think that the proposals they're coming up with are, they're, they're a good start, but I think there's still a ways away from really gaining momentum. Um, and so they just rejected a 76 game schedule, but then a quote was that they're moving towards playing in 2020. And then as of tonight, a couple hours ago, 8 p.m., um, the MLB Players Association set to propose an 89-game season, so a 13-game increase, and then expanded playoffs. So that would be um, the amount of teams who are competing in the playoffs would expand. So, you know, kind of like the, um, we'll talk about it in a minute, but, you know, the plan opportunities with the NBA, it could be really cool, and it, it would be really cool to see uh, more teams in a playoff setting with a shortened season and then you know seeing who you know the powerhouses coming into the season like the new york yankees and the dodgers and um those cheaters the houston astros you know where would they i'll throw the atlanta braves into that conversation where they would land um in a full 162 game season 
But now that it's, you know, potentially 89 games if this works out and there's more teams in the playoffs and then the playoffs in the MLB, it seems for the most part really ride on momentum. Um, that could be a very interesting turn of events. So I'm excited, but I really do think that with such heavy disputes still from some of the best players in the league about contracts and then owners trying to figure all the stuff out behind the scenes, you know, it's June. It's June and the other sports leagues are uh, hockey and basketball have already figured out a way to come back and baseball hasn't yet. And they haven't even started the season. So um, again, long answer short, I think they're the least likely to come back and it's going to be, it's going to be quite some time. I believe as a fan without really much inside knowledge, of course, which is my gut feeling that it's going to take some time. My last question about MLB two, I guess, is for a long time you've heard like on all the talk shows, is it time for baseball to reinvent itself? Don't you think it's basically the time now to for the base for the MLB to be like, you know what, why don't we during a potentially shortened season experiment and try to regain uh, a youth fan base that we honestly don't have? Yeah, um I so for myself, I'm. this goes for most things I do, which is the same for a lot of people, but I'm hesitant to change. Then again, this isn't something that would directly impact me, but it would impact something I've known. But then I'd be, it'd be idiotic if I didn't, you know, mention the fact that um, playoff expansion and overall league expansion over the last 30 years in the MLB have really uh, shaped the way the game is played and, you know, strength of divisions and rivalries. And it really has gotten exciting and it's brought, you know, a bigger fan base of the league by that sort of expansion and play of excitement. So I don't really have answers in terms of maybe any suggestions on what to toy around with on how to um, reformat the league and what it looks like and trying to, you know, regain that interest that used to make America the most beloved sport, in the, or excuse me, make baseball the most <laughs> beloved sport in America. But I do agree. I think it's time to uh, potentially consider some things and maybe, maybe take note from whatever they figure out from this year, if they do, and if it's playoff expansion, then maybe think about, um, they just added in the, the second wild card game, um, a couple years ago. And so why not maybe see about expanding to more playoff teams? And again, maybe, maybe that run with momentum. That's so typical in the MLB postseason and the end of the regular season, going into the postseason maybe that momentum stops or maybe it builds for some of the, the teams who are kind of on the outside looking in, you know, looking uh, from the outside bubble if they do decide to expand. So again, I don't really have any ideas at the moment on how they could change it. But I mean, it seems like every, every 15, 20 years, they kind of change it. So again, it'd be idiotic if they didn't look at this as some sort of a, a version of a perfect time to, maybe make some changes to the format. Yeah, because you honestly hear all the time about how the Mar um, MLB <laughs> Marble Olympics. <laughs> how about the MLB? It's on the brain. It's popular. I'm sorry. It's just such a buzz. <laughs> the uh, the MLB, you always hear the dumb argument being like, they should shorten the season. And it's like, does shortening the season make the MLB more exciting? The, the point is that the games themselves people find boring. So why mm -hmm. is it that people always jump to let's shorten the season? Would you enjoy like, okay, would the NBA be more enjoyable to you if we made it 70 games 
does that really make any sense? It's not the issue. Like it's like people think the NBA is more exciting now than it was mm. in the mid two thousands is because it's so high scoring. And that's because the three pointer has become such an important part of basketball. And it's either like you basically dunk it or you're shooting a three. They basically eliminated the mid range. There's really nothing in baseball as of right now, you could correct me if I'm wrong, that you mm. can tweak to the game within itself that emphasizes something else. It's not like when Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire played where it's a home run slugfest, except they were thinking during a point in last season, I believe, that the balls were somewhat juiced. Yeah, that has been a topic of discussion in the last um, last three or four years or so, if I remember correctly. But, you know, the only thing that really has ever, uh, in our lifetime, I would say, that's really gained momentum is... I mean, with the exception of um, the PED discussion um, and drug testing in the league, like all sports leagues. But the only thing that's really (laughs) – the not Marble League, though. They're pure. Um, (laughs) They're just completely riddled with dairy-like bias. Yeah, exactly. Um, It's – the only thing that's really gained any sort of momentum would be the discussion to move um, the designator hitter role to – either expand it so that the national league also has it or get rid of it in the American league and have pitchers hit. Um, and, you know, you can go back and forth in that argument, you know, however way you want, but that's not something that's going to change the overall appeal and outlook and public perception. And in regard to what you were saying about what shortening a season really make it so much better. Again, I mean, they have to for this year, of course, with everything going on, but in the long run, I don't think shortening seasons in the MLB or any major league would make anything more exciting. If anything, I think it makes it less exciting because then I keep using this word, but the momentum that people gain at the end of the season um, in, in hockey and basketball, you know, it's those nine, 10, maybe even 11 seeded teams who are looking at that eight seeded team. And then that eight seeded team's kind of looking over their shoulder and being like, well, you know, is this person going to, is this team going to come up and are they going to, make a run for this last spot, you know, so in those leagues, it works like that. And then with baseball, the division races heat up and the wild card races can get really exciting. And now with the added element a couple of years ago of editing in the, uh, the wild card playoff game, that has made the game more exciting. And, you know, it kind of makes you wonder if maybe it's already split, obviously into two leagues, American and national. Maybe if they took a note from, uh, or, you know, look at the example that the NBA and NHL have set and maybe see about, you know, if you're going to work with having two leagues, then add uh, four more playoff teams in each league so that it really would be like one through eight, like you see in basketball and NHL, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't really know if it, it, it makes you wonder, like you were saying, if now's the time to consider major changes that need to come to bring the game I don't want to say back to life, but to sort of revive some of that excitement that it brought to the country and a worldwide audience for such a long time. But they should really, really, really take this time to think about, you know, what are we doing for the public audience? And then in terms of coronavirus um, ravaging the game, and you know, life as we knew it, how are we treating people behind the scenes? How are we treating our employees and what are we doing for our fans? Because Let's face it, I mean, it would suck that some players, this is going off point, but now I'm just on a tangent. Um, it, it would suck, you know, that some players are, some of the best players in the league are going to lose out on upwards of millions and millions and millions. Um, but at the same time, they're still making millions. 
And so now it's all about maybe instead of thinking about maybe instead of immediately thinking about ways to bring more excitement around to the game, I think now more than ever, more than ever is the time to think about the people behind the scenes. And these are mid uh, major market cities for the most part. And so um, the people that depend on their jobs at the stadiums and the parks and, you know, depend on it as a source of income and how, um, how those disparities are really going to impact how those franchises are looked at by a broad audience. So again, very long answer short right now, it's got to be about getting back on track with the financial aspect and, you know, figuring out how many games are going to have this season, but then look at the season, um, look back on it in the future and say, what made it exciting? Um, how could we have modified it? And how can we use that to modify how we look at the game moving forward? I think expanding playoff teams would be great. I really think that for continuity's sake, if you're going to have four major sports, um, I think the NFL is... Well, I, I just mean in, in general, if you're going to have four major sports in America, the NFL is an exception, but because the MLB is so... That excitement and passion for it is dying off, why not expand playoff teams? You know, so maybe they'll toy with that this season, but um, whether or not they do, I think that's something they should consider in the long run. Yeah, that being said, I um, I don't agree with Max Kellerman. But I'm just saying it as a joke because I think it's one of the dumbest takes of all time that hockey is apparently not in uh, one of the four major he's, sports. He's so stupid. He's dumb with everything. Think about I, look, playoff basketball. Playoffs in all sports are so exciting. Playoff hockey it's is thrilling. It's, it's action-packed. It feels like every single second you're just sitting on the edge of your seat and you're gripped. Whereas, you know, there are in, in basketball, football, and baseball, there are major points throughout the game. There are key moments that really grasp your attention with hockey that can change in an instant in a variety of ways. And the playoff beards are just incomparable. Yeah, you know, apparently I know Max Carman's had like a rough life and at the same time he's obviously made the climb to being a very successful personality in sports. But I feel like he's more for the clickbait now than he is for anything. Yeah, and that's just simply what I do not like. Like throwing out dumb statements like saying hockey's not a professional sport is simply not true. All right, to close out this podcast though, we're going to talk about the NBA real quick. And yep. um, so we had a po- Jeremy Batten on, me, one of me and Ian's close friends on, about two weeks ago where apparently the group stage format was at the peak of rumors. But now the NBA has officially decided what they're going to do on March 11th. When they actually no, they went on hiatus on March 11th, but on June 4th, the Board of Governors approved a competitive format to restart the 2019-2020 season, with 22 teams returning to play and a tentative start on the date of July 31st. So basically, it's going to be in Orlando. So that was right in a single site for all games, practice, and housing for the remainder of the season. The Eastern Conference. There's 22 teams that will return. The teams in the Eastern Conference are the Bucks, the Raptors, the Celtics, the Heat, the Pacers, the 76ers, the Nets, the Magic, and the Wizards got a best buddy pass for some reason. And the Western Conference got the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Jazz, the Thunder, the Rockets, the Mavericks, the Grizzlies, the Blazers, the Pelicans, the Kings, the Spurs, and the Suns. I don't know about you. It seems very lopsided, but obviously the Western is better than the Eastern Conference. I don't think they had to Mm -hmm. invite all 22. I think that's kind of stupid because I know for a fact that the Kings, the Spurs, and the Suns will probably not make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I think this was just an appeal to market. And I, I, as a fan, I think it's very exciting because you never know. I mean, it could be 
it could be someone like the Suns, a really crappy team overall that does end up uh, sliding into that eight spot. But um, this was just a, a way to get back on track and a way to get higher viewership um, in the in the return. And I think it's going to be so exciting. And it's a testament to the fact that the NBA seems, especially under Adam Silver, I think it's a testament to the fact that they always get it done no matter what. Yeah, so basically the uh, the NBA elim- took the teams that were technically eliminated from the playoff contention and just wiped them out. So the reason the Suns made it, honestly, is that they simply were not eliminated. But so what's going to happen is that the 8th and ninth seed, if they're within four games after this eight-game preliminary um, quote-unquote regular season, what's left, they're calling like the seeding games. If they're within four games of each other, they're going to play a three-game series. And if the ninth seed has to win two of the three, and all the one, all the eighth seed has to do is win one of the games. So mm-hmm. the Suns, for those who don't know, are currently six games back of the Grizzlies. So they would have to win a decent amount of games to even get in the discussion. And the rest of the the eighth and ninth and tenth, eleventh and twelfth seed would have to really suck ass for the rest in order to not make it. If we're shitting on the Suns, this must be such a tease for their fan base right now. Oh, uh, you know, honestly, I think I, I think I've done my fair share of shitting on the Suns fan base for the past few podcasts we've talked about the NBA, and I'm just gonna continue to rub the salt in them. You guys suck, and you shouldn't have even deserved to be in this. I think you only made it because they know that Phoenix Suns are salty, and they know they're not gonna make it. Corey, man, enough is enough. That's brutal. That being said, the Wizards should not have even made this thing either. The Wizards fans are probably like, holy crap. Yeah, that's it? that's total crap. <laughs> holy crap, we made it. We're six games back of the Magic. They got invited to basically play against the other teams. They're like, yeah, you can come to Orlando. It's going to be awesome. Come play, and then you're stuck here until the finals are over. It's just so, it's just so unfair for someone like Bradley Beal who keeps – giving his heart and soul to the Wizards when he deserves so much better. And now, again, he's just getting teased so bad with this right now. He knows that he can't do it alone. It's It didn't make sense for someone like the Wizards to be invited. It could be, could be exciting, but I really, really, really doubt it. Honestly, I'm just happy the NBA is coming back. Of all the sports that I wanted to come back, I hate to like, just pick straws here, but between baseball, hockey, and NBA, I would just rather have NBA back than anything. Plus, I mean, the season was just, it really has been an incredible season so far. And, of course, it, you know, got interrupted in a big way and a dramatic way with everything going on with Rudy Gobert. But it's, this is going to be, it's going to be fun. And I think the finals, it's going to be also great now because the world has proven that they can go a couple months without uh, major sporting events. And, of course, now it's trickling back in with, even though it's not major, it's, you know, you get games like soccer and all these different things, and there's ESPN, the Ocho doing things, and of course, there's Marble League, which is the fact now that it's like the reward for all that is that the NBA is going later than it's ever gone, and it's going into the fall, and that's going to be so exciting, because then the next season is going to start In relatively December. soon after that. Yeah. Christmas Day, they're saying the season's going to end around, like, October 12th. And that it's going to start up again in December, which honestly seems unfair for the players, especially those that make mm-hmm. it to the finals. But at the same time, yeah. as a fan, it's absolutely thrilling. And if you think about off-season purposes, that's going to be such a huge off-season. And I don't really know the names from the free agent market, but it's pretty bad. You know, it's yeah. Well, regardless, 
you know, it'll be, it'll be fun to see um, quick additions to teams and then how uh, rookies are going to pan out on teams and, you know, potential trades that come in such a short window of time. And then you get back to the action. So um, it will be tough. And I do feel bad for the players, but like you just said, from a fan standpoint, this season, the rest of this season, and then jumping into next season, that's going to be pretty cool. You know the jump's going to have like a bullshit segment based on free agency. Like, how will Jeremy Grant fit in with the Cavaliers? <laughs> Big free Extreme. agent acquisition. <laughs> Is that a prediction? Is that something you want? I read that like on a Bleacher Report article. They really like they're like Jeremy Grant would be a great fit on the Cavs because the Cavs have a crap ton of money. Because believe it or not, all our contracts are terrible. <laughs> Is Jeremy Grant a guard? No, he's like a power forward slash small forward. I was thinking he was a guard. I was like, he could be, you know, good uh, good leadership for Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, who I think could go on the come up. But then again, I'm kind of an idiot. It's fine because I'm an idiot for being a fan of theirs, but I love that. You're also anyway. just, you're also just my, one of my best friends, and I want to make you feel better. Remember, uh, halfway through the season, I showed you the ridiculous plus or minus for that one Cavs starting five. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, yeah, that, that was cool. But yeah, anyways. Yeah. So they're saying that um, the games and practices will be held near Orlando as the season restarts. Contingent on agreement with Walt <laughs> Disney to use the resort, which, believe it or not, no one's at Disney right now. So I think they're going to take it. <laughs> what if like Goofy was doing the tip off every night? <laughs> they just have the Disney mascots be the ref for the event. That'd be crazy. We got That'd Daffy so cool. on the whistle. <laughs> <laughs> get stitch on the mic <laughs> no sorry donald duck they got donald duck on the sideline now they got the really wipers cool. being like uh the chipmunks <laughs> but it's great that they um this was something that was being discussed however long ago and i believe i remember hearing that this was one of the first ideas they had was to do it at uh to use walt disney resort and so the world is and so the fact that they they got it done and they stuck to their word and now they're giving the fans what they want and using this specific location too. That's going to be great. It's kind of like what we were talking about in the Jordan um, the last dance podcasts is um, how Michael Jordan was, you know, uh, stringing together those pickup games of some of the best players in the world. Like, you know, Reggie Miller, Dennis Rodman, um, Jawan Howard was in those two. And then of course, Michael Jordan, this is just going to, it's obviously going to go down and, history for historical purposes with the coronavirus but the fact that they use this location and there's not going to be any fans and they're thinking about using like 2k crowd noise for the whole thing yeah that I'm... thing just seems confusing like are the players going to really buy into <clears throat> fake crowd noise being like oh man this is hype get ready for the free throw rumble <laughs> the, the court shakes lebron's like what the hell is this it's gonna be killer we got hd um... rumble underneath the free throw line I'm excited to see how this all pans out. They even got Marv Albert and Doris Burt just ready at the, <laughs> at the standby. Thank God. Uh, the uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the announcer that you always press like skip whenever he steps up onto the 2K. David Aldridge. David Aldridge. You just everyone's just pressing. Hey, the announcer's like, all right, let's just get him out of here. <laughs> I don't need this guy anyways. All right. Uh, I think I think that's gonna do it. Uh, Ian, thank you for uh, coming on, and hopefully, thank you very much, Corey. when we have you on again, there will be uh, actual other sports and more more Marble Olympics coverage. It'll be uh, the wrap up of the 
last Marvel standing because the next three events are going to take place in, I believe, the next two weeks. So we'll have the final coverage of that. That'll be exciting. And also, maybe we'll move on to other stuff until uh, our favorite sports, other than our favorite sport, resume. We're on the upswing. Stay tuned. All right. Thanks for coming on, Ian. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you, Dean Lenahan, for coming on the podcast and talking all things Marble Games, The Last Marble Standing. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I thought we'd have a little bit of fun talking about the closest thing that we have to major sports right now outside of soccer. I thought it was pretty fun just to talk about it. And I hope you guys also enjoyed our MLB and basketball talk. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others and spread the word about the Corey Watch podcast. Thank you, and we'll see you this Thursday.